Welcome to the Mystic Access Podcast, where the magic is in learning. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Mystic Access Podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Kim. And I'm Lisa. First of all, we just want to thank those of you who attended our first iOS module. We had such a great time sharing the information and presenting it to you. It was a great success. And we are really looking forward to continuing to share modules with you. For those of you who don't know, this is the first in a current series of six modules that we're going to be offering on various aspects of iOS. And these first six are tailored pretty much for the beginner or the person who is fairly frustrated and annoyed with attempting to use his or her phone or iDevice successfully. The first one was on setting up your iPhone, configuring it in a way that works for you. And by setting up, I don't mean the initial setup so much as configuring and tailoring it to do what you need and want it to do to make using it on a daily basis a pleasant experience for you. So if you missed that, there are plenty of others that you can join and eventually we will have news about that first module and what we're going to do with it and how this is going to work. But for now, we have other modules coming up and Lisa can tell us about what's coming up on Thursday the 19th. Well, the next one is going to be all about Siri. And whether you love Siri or you hate Siri, there's a lot that you can use it to do. This is just my opinion. It's not really based on any inside intel. But Apple has been getting enough flack lately about Siri, and Siri has been the butt of enough jokes lately that I suspect that Apple will be updating, upgrading Siri, making it a smarter assistant. I think this is going to be a really interesting class. I find that I use Siri for some things and not others. And so we'll go through all the ways in which you can use Siri. And you may find that your mileage may vary. You may want to use it for some stuff that I don't and vice versa. But I think this one is going to be a particularly fun class. We'll have a, a break because we have a free event coming up from Mystic Access. But then August, we will be doing a module on the on-screen keyboard and going kind of into a deeper dive all about how to use that. Speaking of free classes, we have, as Lisa just mentioned, a free class coming up very soon. And this class for this month is part one in a two-part series. We're going to talk all about downloading files. How do you get something from a website to your computer? And then how do you find it and play it or move it or whatever? <laughs> so the moving part, we're not going to talk about this time, but we are going to talk about how to download files using different browsers. This is something particularly useful for our customers because a lot of times if you don't get an SD card from us, you are going to have to download digital files. So it's a great concept for people to find out about, particularly in this very digital age when you need to download items. So we're going to talk about downloading from different browsers, how it works, how you see the progress of your downloads, where your downloads go. It's going to be part one in a two-part series. So if you want to learn how to then move those files and manipulate them, that will be coming up in August. And I know I've talked to some of you about downloading and you say, well, I know how to download BARD. I don't really know how to download anything else. Sometimes you'll say, well, 
I used to download Bard and I've forgotten how to do any of it. So this is definitely a more basic class, but it gives a good overview. And if you've only ever used one browser, maybe you're really comfortable with downloading, but we hope you'll join us to see what the experience is like in other browsers. And this class will take place Thursday, July 26th. And of course, for more information, you can go to mysticaccess.com and subscribe to our events list where you will get all the details. Speaking of events, let's touch back on iOS for our main event for this particular podcast. We had the pleasure of, well, I didn't because I was very unwell and could not join this particular interview to my great sadness because it was so much fun, but I did get to edit it, so it was like I was there in spirit. <laughs> but we had the pleasure of being able to sit down and have a conversation with Amy Billman, who is co-founder of Speed Dots. They really have a nifty product if you haven't heard of it or if you are unfamiliar with how Speed Dots work. And if you are an iOS user or are considering an iOS device, a Speed Dot product could potentially be one that would benefit you, particularly if you are a beginner or new to a new iDevice iDevice is new to you. So if you're going from, say, an iPod Touch to an iPad, for instance, or from an iPad to a phone. So we're going to talk with Amy about Speed Dots and what they do and their screen protectors, how they work. And we hope you will enjoy this really fun interview, which is going to be the main portion of our podcast. And the three of us will be back soon to carry on a bit more conversation for you. Welcome to the Mystic Access Magic Castle. So we are in the Mystic Access Magic Castle, and Lisa's here. Kim couldn't make it. And we have a special guest, Amy Billman. She's going to talk about speed dots. She's going to tell us what they are, because speed dots doesn't tell me anything if I'm just coming across something and saying, what's a speed dot? Well, so speed dots is essentially we embossed braille dots on a regular plastic screen protector that you can buy anywhere and the purpose of it is to have essentially a way of orienting yourself around the screen because your iPhone screen is just a big piece of flat screen real estate and so we have marked well we have several different models but we basically have marked commonly used locations on the phone with braille dots and this also includes parts of the keyboard so if you're using our product on your phone you're not dependent on waiting to hear what voiceover speaks to you before you're going to press, for example, if you're looking for the letter R. So it's kind of like enabling you to be able to touch type by feel on your iPhone screen as you would learning you know, how to touch type on your PC keyboard, you know, where you can orient yourself to the home keys. We basically give you a way of orienting where things are on your phone and, and putting buttons where there's not any. And these are dots that you actually emboss the screen protector itself. They're not dots that are glued on the screen protector, correct? Correct. We actually are manually, by hand, actually our website does this because we do it by hand. It's just the size of a regular Braille dot, and we're doing them by hand. And someone did a course about how to make a screen protector like that, where you were gluing dots onto the phone. And I don't see how that would work, but no, that is not how no, we do it. I don't either, because... I got a screen protector way back in the day when the man from Salona, which was an audio captioning service, he was making them. 
Yep. And I wasn't sure if I needed one or wanted one, but I was working as a rehab teacher at the time, and I thought, I'm going to try this. And my first thought was, well, I have lots of dots and bumps and stuff. I could just put it on my iPhone. But you really can't because then you basically lose the ability to touch in that area. Not only yeah. that, but the first couple times in and out of that pocket, <laughs> those dots would stick in your pocket. Yeah. Well, well if you use certain kinds of adhesives like the high marks or the spot and line, which is more like a puff paint, you can make very small dots. That would be doable, and that's what I had in mind. But again, it takes away the ability for your device to respond to touch sensitivity. My other problem was knowing where I should put those dots because it can change from app to app. And yep. kind of having somebody go through and figure out, okay, these are some of the most commonly used locations can be helpful. Yep, and we have to do that every time there's any kind of changes to the screen. We had to do that with the iPhone X or iPhone 10. I don't know what the correct 10. way to say it is. If it's a 10 or an X. 10. But that recent one, because, of course, we have to get the device. And so, of course, that was backordered. So it took us a while to get the device. But we do screenshots of all of the commonly used screens in order to make the template that we use to be able to design each screen protector. And also, so of course, we can explain to people on our website, we have an explanation of what all the dots represent in their locations on the screen itself so that people know what they're looking at. I sometimes have mixed feelings about tactile screen protectors. Sometimes I feel like I don't want to put one on my phone, especially when my nieces were little, because they kept thinking that my iPhone was somehow special. Mm -hmm. And I wanted them to know, no, it's just like what your mom and dad use because they were little at the time. And at that point, you know, they didn't have them. But it can be convenient. I think that an over-reliance can be a problem. You know, oh, no, my screen protector is coming off my phone. I have to get a new one. Or I'm getting a new phone and the tactile screen protectors aren't out. And I don't know what I'm going to do. So yeah. I kind of feel like somewhere in between, there's a happy medium. I feel like they kind of provide landmarks. So for example, let's say I'm walking to the bus stop and there is this really cool brick enclosed mailbox that's on my route. I will check in and just make sure, okay, there's the brick enclosed mailbox. I'm on my way. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that I wouldn't be able to find my way if I didn't see that, but it's kind of just a help. It's like you're on the right track. Or if you know that you need to head straight, it's kind of like someone, I think, taking you by the shoulders and straightening out your shoulders and saying, that's the way you want to go. It's just, I think of it kind of as an enhancement. Mm -hmm. Well, we get this question all the time of why do I need this? And we're very upfront about the fact that, you know, Apple has done a good job with voiceover and, you know, getting around the device. We have never said that our screen protectors were actually something that was a have to use on the phone, like you couldn't use your phone without them. Although we do have some people that they will start emailing us out of desperation when the time comes and they're like, where are the ones coming out for this phone? And, and we actually had one person that made me really sad. She was like, I can't use my phone without it. And I'm thinking, oh, man, 
you know, I mean, to be honest, I have one on my phone. Part of it is because, yes, I sell them. But it is a tool. You're right. It can just make things that much faster. It is not that you have to have them. Now, granted, if you're first using the iPhone, it's a great orientation tool. The thing that I've noticed about using them is, is that when I don't have one, which I've had happen a few times when we've been in between devices and we haven't actually had the new ones for that model yet, it does give you muscle memory. You know, mm -hmm. so, for example, with that one on my phone, I can know that this, you know, letter is located here or this button is located here because I've been using it for so long. So it is, it is a lot like traveling by landmarks. It's just an orientation tool. You can orient perfectly without them, but having a landmark of any kind makes your life go by a little bit faster and makes things a little bit easier. You know, it's yeah. really funny. That's that what we want to do. It's really funny that you say something like that because I've been using an iPhone or, or touchscreen since probably 2011 when I really first started getting into them. Mm -hmm. And I've only used the tactile screen protectors since October or November of this year. But if I'm looking for, let's say I'm looking for one of the apps on my dock mm -hmm. and I put my finger on the dot, somehow I know that that's the absolute one that I want. Yep. It's not off to the left, it's not off to the right, it's just that specific dot. And the dots aren't different in any way, shape, or form, they're just the braille dots. Yeah, and they're just located, we do the ones on the bottom do correspond to the dock anyway, but I mean, it's that way even in, I've done it in other folders, even, like I'll open a folder where I've got all my productivity, you know, life stuff stored, you know, my OmniFocus and whatever. And if I want a specific app, rather than having to swipe through all of them, there are folders where I can just touch on the screen and be like, oh, that's there, and just double tap it and I'll go on my way. Yeah, um, or like so. if you have five tabs across the bottom of a screen, they don't correspond exactly to the four dots of the dock, but you can say, okay, well, it's to the right of this dot. And right. I couldn't agree more, and actually I was going to say what you had just said about muscle memory. Having that screen protector, tactile screen protector, because if you go to a regular store, you can buy screen protectors that will help keep your device from being damaged if it's dropped. Yep. We're talking, when we say screen protectors here, in this case, we're talking tactile. But I really think that my using one to begin with helped my learning curve, and kind of in preparation for this interview, although not so much this, but I'm going to be teaching one of our modules about typing on the iOS screen itself. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know what, it's time for me to get one of these again and put it on my phone. Sure. So according to your emails, one is winging its way to me. Yes, ma'am. Now, yeah, um, <laughs> I can hear people now with questions. Well, I have an iPod Touch or I have an iPad. Would you tell us a little bit about the various devices that you have the screen protectors for and also the models of the screen protectors. Sure. So we actually still make them for the legacy if somebody has an iPhone 4 and occasionally someone will buy one. But going forward to the normal ones that everybody uses, we have them for if you've got an iPhone, the 5C or the SE. We make them for that. We make them for the 6 and the 6 S, all the six models and the pluses as well, the seven and eight, and all of the pluses for those devices. And then, of course, the 10 and for those devices. And, and of course, that includes the plus as well. Oh, and I'm sorry, we do make them for the iPod Touch 
and for the iPad. I'm forgetting that that's what I'm forgetting. So we make them for the iPod Touch. We make them for the iPad and the iPad Air and the Air 2. And then the iPad Air screen protectors will actually fit the smaller, the 9.7-inch iPad Pro. We don't make them for the bigger iPad Pros, unfortunately, at the moment. Then we have all the iPad Mini. If people still have those, we make them for those as well. Now, for the phones and the iPods, we have different layouts. For the iPad and the iPad Minis, we do not have different layouts because there's so much screen real estate on those devices that it was a lot more easier to just do a one-size-fits-all model for those. But we have different layouts for the smaller devices depending on what your needs are. So we have the standard, which has all of the keyboard marked with the exception of the F and J, which we do for orientation purposes, kind of similar to how your keyboard on your computer will have the F and J have that little mark thing on it so you can orient to it. We don't label it so that you can orient to it. And then the opposite end of that spectrum is the advanced model, which has all of the keyboard not labeled, saving for the F and the J, which are labeled so that you can orient to them. And then we label on those models, we label commonly used controls on there, like the back button and done and cancel. There's labels in Safari as well. We mark the five on the phone keypad so that you can orient that way in case you're not just scrolling through your contacts and you're actually having to call somebody like you used to back in the 90s. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm totally dating myself, but it's true. Or if you're Um, stuck in a phone tree. Or if you're stuck in a... Yeah, well, it's so rare you actually call anybody normally now. We also do have a model for people that don't want to type, which is our phone model. And that has all of the soft keys labeled. By that, I mean all the controls at the bottom and the back and done and cancel. But it also has the phone buttons marked because there's people that just don't want to type. They just want to make phone calls. And so we do have that model stripped down for them. Then we also recently, either last year or the year before, came out with the model that supported Apple's Braille screen input. That one's a little bit different because what we did with that one is we marked it so that it went directly in line with you calibrating the Braille dots on the screen so that you could find them and type that way using Braille screen input, which is probably getting pretty ahead of our conversation. But those are basically the differences of models that we have. And the one thing that they're all pretty much going to have in common is the labeling of the commonly used controls on the devices. It's the keyboard layouts that change, saving for the iPad. And I like that you can get various kinds of tactile screen protectors. You can get basic ones that are kind of just a thin sheet. And there's a lot of controversy. If you're really good at it, if you're comfortable, great. Slap that thing on yourself. But if you're not, or you think you might not be, there's no shame. I know my own limits. I get somebody to put it on for me because I would make myself crazy. It might be perfectly straight. And I'd be saying, no, I don't think it's quite straight. I don't think it's right. And it's very thin. I find it a little bit hard to work with. I actually am fortunate because I have a friend who works at a Verizon store. (laughs) And he can almost put it on with his hands behind his back. And I'm like, great, have at it. Here you go. You can also get tempered glass screen protectors. And they are really cool. I actually have one on my phone that's not tactile. 
Mm-hmm. And so if you drop your phone, that is going to keep it safe. It's yep. also stiffer and thicker, and there's, I don't see, unless you have manual dexterity issues, that's pretty darn easy to put on. Yeah, Even I can do it. <laughs> we so. also, yeah, we also did em- start embossing those. We have them for the sixes and sevens and eights and the ten. Mm-hmm. Right. And speaking of no shame, we also sell them cut to fit the OtterBox cases, if that's mm-hmm. what you're into. And we also sell the case with the screen protector already applied. Because a Excellent. lot of people don't want to, you know, they just want to pop their phone in and go. They don't want to try to deal with either cutting it to fit that little plastic shell thing that's yeah, over the top or putting it on. I wouldn't want to cut it either. We yeah. actually have somebody that does that for us. Because yeah. I wouldn't want to cut that. Mm-mm. You have I, to get it perfect. I yeah. found myself, because I had a couple of these for iPhones and iPads and stuff like that, and I found it easier to put the tempered glass one on my phone than I did to put a non-tempered glass one on my phone. And what I would do is I would put the screen protector on. If it was lopsided, I'd peel it off and try again, knowing where those dots are supposed to be. Like Amy said, the back button and the done button and things like that. I would press where the, you know, with the back button and it wouldn't say back. It would put me up into the... Yep. Yep. <laughs> I yeah. put, well, because it was really... I almost missed the nice squared corners of the four yep. and even the five still because now with the sixes and, and going up, they're all those nice. They're nice and they're rounded and the, they go all the way to the edges almost. Yeah, and it's hard to... It's and hard. it's really harder to put those on. I mean, I have put them on my own phone when I get a new one on my phone when it gets cruddy or whatever because eventually the dots will might you know wear down with how your fingers press you know it's time for a new one or or I've got a smart battery case and so popping my phone in and out of that a lot of times will make the thing peel off but just by the nature of the adhesive on the bottom it would do that with a plain plastic one without dots on it too but and so sometimes I'll be ask Doug to put it on because he's got a little bit of sight and even he as great as he is, visually will mess it up too. So, you know, they're really harder to put on. You know, we tell people to align them with the device, and it's true, you can use the home button. Like, if you've got one that still has a home button, you can use that to kind of align. But it's still harder to put them on these phones with their nice, rounded, you know, Mm -hmm. beveled edges. Now, I have a basic case that has some... Yeah. (laughs) I have a basic case, and it has some borders, but the idea of just putting it on the phone alone without a case really makes me cringe too. So I think, you know, if you're going to apply it, putting it on, if you have a case on your phone is going to be slightly easier. But I don't know. I just figure I would rather somebody do it because then it's on once. I don't have to peel it on and off and compromise the adhesive and it lasts pretty well. Yeah. Um, A lot of times you have to take the cases off because they go so close to the edges that mm -hmm. you can't, it would get all scrunchy. Yeah. So, yeah, it's um your mileage may vary. Yeah, it just depends what case you have. I have kind of an odd question. I have seen the basic screen protector for the keyboard for typing. And that's the one where you have all the letters marked but the F and the J. Correct. And that one confuses me a bit because especially on the phone, you can't really differentiate one dot from another, it feels like someone took a tracing wheel, maybe, and just drew a line 
At least, I couldn't easily tell one dot from another. And I'm curious, with them being that close together, how does that help an individual in typing? And I guess piggybacked onto that is also the question, how does someone choose which model they want? I mean, if someone is doing Braille screen input and that's what they want it for, obviously they would get that one. If they want to make a lot of phone calls and use a lot of phone trees, they would get that one. But for on-screen typing, how would someone decide which model would work best for their needs? Well, first of all, the letters are also close together on the screen. And yes. so we, we can't, unfortunately, make the Braille dots be further apart from each no. other. So a lot of times, first of all, what we will recommend when somebody asks, if, especially if they're a new iPhone user, when they ask us what one they need, we will advise them to buy both so that they can actually see and try them out. We have some customers that will actually stick them, take them off their phone and they'll interchange them because you can take them off and stick them on, you know, like a shelf or something or whatever and switch them out. As far as how to decide what you need, a lot of it really does depend on, for example, do you have partial sight? Some of our partially sighted customers will use the advanced model because it does have less dots. And some people do think that the, the one with everything is too crowded or they worry that it's too crowded. But really, it kind of comes down to how you're going to use your phone, in all honesty, which is what makes that a hard question to answer. It's not a bad question, but it's so preferential. You know, it, it's such a personal thing. If somebody is going to do a lot of typing, I do tend to recommend that they try the standard model. But some people, as you said, do find the dots being so close together to be crowded. And some people, it works for them. You know, some people, I've seen some people that'll stick their voiceover, they'll just put it in the notes field and practice typing on it to kind of get a feel of, you know, okay, this is ASD and they're close together, you know, and the F is blank and then the G and the H, they're close together and then the J and then, you know, the other two ones are close together after that. And so they kind of get, you know, get a feel of the keyboard, which is a very long-winded way to answer this question. I'm sorry. But, no, it's but, great. <laughs> it's great. It but, feels like it's just... But it really a different is, kind of orientation. It is. And it really comes down to, I can use either one, either model personally, but that is also because I've had both of them and I sell them. And so I've tried to familiarize myself with them on purpose. But some people do find all the dots confusing and some people love it because they don't have to think about it. And it reminds them of having their f a full keyboard. Similar to that, there are some of the you know mini Bluetooth keyboards or even back in the Windows phone days there were some keyboards where the keys were really tiny and really close together that was confusing and is confusing for some people mm -hmm. you know some people want to have the bigger fat you know keys and that's totally fine so it really does come down to preference and how you're going to use your phone I tend unless somebody really feels like you know, especially for an older elderly person, if they're only ever going to make phone calls, you know, I'll recommend the phone model to them. But eventually, even those people, they decide that they want to type and they realize that they have no keyboard to orient to because we did determine that it was going to be very busy to put and confusing for people to try to add the keyboard in. Having the phone model made directly to what the experience is like in the phone app itself. So they end up having to switch because they want to type. 
and they can't or they don't feel like they can do you can do both but you know if you want to have a keyboard orient to your buttons don't exactly line up that way so it really does depend on what you need but yeah we tend we tend to advise people to either start out with one or to buy both so they can see the differences when I got mine way back, and that was at that point, I think I'm with Verizon, and they didn't even support the iPhone yet. I got one for an iPod Touch. Mm -hmm. But at that point, what they had, the only option, was the advanced. So when I saw the basic, it kind of shocked me. I'm like, what is this? You know, it seemed, <laughs> it seemed very different. And I thought, you know, how can I count these? If I'm trying to find a specific letter, by using these dots, how can I do it? And I kind of came to the conclusion that on a device that small, you almost can't, but it at least is still that kind of guiding hand on your shoulder that just says, okay, you know, you're still in this row of keys. You know, it's, sure. it's not well, precision. You, no, because you know that yeah. if you're looking at the home row, you know, you know where the blank spots are, are pretty yeah. much going to be F and J, yeah. you know? And so you can kind of, if nothing else, you can orient that way. Yeah. And so you don't necessarily have to count. You kind of, unless, of course, you don't know, if you don't know what the home row of the keyboard looks like, well, then, I mean, then you, you have, have a struggle. Problems. You have other problems, yeah. as we discussed yeah. earlier. But, you know, you, you can at least use that to orient, which I catch myself even as a person who's used these a long time, just doing automatically, you know, mm -hmm. especially on the iPad, because that real estate is really big. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and there's a lot more further space where those icons live. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, way back in the day, I had one of those little laptop style phones, and they called it that because it flipped open and it had this teeny tiny little keyboard. And really, I like sliding my finger around the sure. flat screen better because counting those little tiny keys it was crazy especially in the summertime like this when you're hot and your hands get sweaty and you know you're just like what key is that and where is it and I don't know I'm still back to the whole idea of the dots whether you have the basic or the advanced are not so much like this is the exact key you need although they do serve that purpose as well but they really can just be kind of that guiding hand on your shoulder saying, yep, you are going the right direction. They can be, or you can. Like, I don't, I don't think I've slid around the screen, just generally speaking, in typing in a long time because of that. Because it's actually given me the ability to actually reach my finger out and hit the I directly. Mm -hmm. Or hit, you know, hit whatever letters I want directly, just like you would typing on a keyboard. Because... Now, to be fair, yes, I've been using it for a, a long time, and we've been in business since, gosh, 2011. So I've had a screen protector in one form or another on my phone since then, because I figure if I'm going to sell them, I should use them. For me, I haven't, not that sliding around your phone is bad. I'm just saying that for me, because I've been using them for so long, I can actually reach my finger up to the dot and just touch it and be in the right place. You know, so I'm not having to count. Yeah. So it really depends on also how you... Again, how you prefer to use your phone, but you really can touch type. We've had customers who will turn off voiceover, turn off speech completely, and use the speed dots, the dots on the screen to orient and just type. Because I'm they can really... touch right to them. Yeah. And it, makes, and it makes sense. If you know how keyboard's laid out, you know that Q is above A. Yep. And if you know where A is, you know, you know where the whole QWERTY keyboard is, and you can just type. I'm really excited to 
get my tactile screen protector because I got my iPod Touch, I think it was 2004. And so it's been a long time since I've used one, and I've consistently Mm -hmm. used iOS devices since then. And I'm really anxious to see how I feel about it. I really feel like it will... My muscle memory is already pretty good, but I feel Mm -hmm. like it will help and enhance it. And I'm curious to... I don't think I would ever really want to turn off voiceover and just type. I'm a little too type A for that. I can't do that either, but I can see how if if your hearing is not awesome and you're in a noisy environment, I can see how it would be helpful to be able to do that. I'm with you. I can't. I'm too type A for that too. Yeah, but, <laughs> but I I am using rock on for those yeah, who can exactly. But I am using Flick Type on my phone, and that is some predictive text. And so I'm curious to see if my typing using that app will improve. It's already fairly good, but if it will improve because of the use of the tactile screen protector. Mm-hmm. I have one more question, actually. I had sneaked in one earlier from Kim, who couldn't join us, and she sent one more, and I think we'll pretty much close with this. I'd also like to actually kind of take a brief pause here and remind listeners that we are going to be having a class on using the on-screen keyboard. It is one of our iOS modules, and Amy and Speed Dots have been generous enough to give us a discount code, and we will be announcing that in class so that anyone who has signed up for the class will be able to use the discount code to purchase a screen protector. And they're already quite reasonably priced, but this is just a little bit of added help and encouragement if you think you would like to try it. So Kim wanted to know, and and I do as well, how did you decide the priority of dot placement? How did you decide what to include and what not to include? Well, we tried to have what the most commonly used keys are. And, And honestly, you brought up Salona. We actually got into this business because when the Salona gentleman went away, I don't know if he died or got sick. I don't know what the situation was, but we had had them on our phones and we wanted them and other people wanted them. And so we, Doug and I set out to figure out how to make them possible because, you know, he had sight and he used a CNC machine and stuff to, to do them himself. And we had to figure out how to produce them not that way. So we kind of used that model as our planner, basically, of deciding because he had already included all of the dots at the bottom, for example. But really, it came down to what are the common things that everyone's going to use that everybody is going to need? Well, everybody needs the shift keys, of course. Everyone needs the delete key. You want the back and the done. You want the address bar in Safari. You want all of the things at the bottom. These are the things that people are going to use, you know, most often. And as far as the keyboard is concerned, that just came down to, we tried some models with the F and the J labeled for the standard. And even we thought that that was actually way too many dots <laughs> and, and rather confusing. So we took those out for the standard model. And then as far as the rest of it, really came down to what do you use most often on the models that are not just specifically geared towards the phone. That became 
okay, let's have something that you can orient to while you're dialing on those occasions that you have to dial using your phone that's basically got the keyboard marked, whether you use the standard or advanced. And so we decided that, okay, the five, if we put that, you know, in the middle of the screen, roughly about where the five is, okay, then you have that to orient to. So then you can, you know, if you know how a phone pad's laid out, then you can slide up and you know where the two is and so forth. And so that's kind of, I don't know if that answers your question well, but that's kind of how we determined what to label and what not to label. I don't really know that there's anything that we didn't label. Well, we don't label the dictation, but that's also because it's too crowded down there on the bottom to have right. that. And so there's just a spot between, you know, where that button lives. And so some of it is spatial. And, you know, of course, aesthetics, we don't want something to be so crowded. We kind of, when we make these, we sort of test them out ourselves. And if we don't like them, we pretty much know that most, the majority of our customers aren't going to like them. We have some people that will reach out to us that know us well, and they'll want something special. And if a lot of times, you know, they'll do a deal where they'll pay for the screen protectors themselves, and they'll pay us to do something custom for them. But most of the time, people want, they don't want everything labeled. And we certainly didn't want everything labeled because it is a lot of dots and it can be really crowded. So it's spatial, and then of course priority of use, and what are the commonly used controls on the phone that everybody needs. And so everybody needs back and done and cancel and you know the whole dock at the bottom, as I've said. And so that's kind of how we determined what. And we didn't, of course, want to leave any of the keyboard out, you know, for people that wanted it. So that's kind right. of how we determined what to leave in and what to not. I think as a rule, we generally need fewer marks and fewer labels than we think we do. I remember working as a rehab teacher with a student of mine and she had a big button phone and she could no longer see the numbers and so she wanted a couple marks put on the phone and she wanted one put on each number and I said well if I do that how are you going to know one number from another? How are you going to orient yourself in a way that's different from the buttons you already have? Yep. And so I think when something is a little intimidating to us, possibly a little scary, you know, we think the more the better. And sometimes there really is beauty and simplicity. And so I also found that quite interesting to know how you prioritize those buttons. And I remember seeing the Speed Dots tactile screen protector and being very happy because it was very much like the Salona one that I was used to and I thought that was just genius really mm -hmm. because for me it was the sweet spot of enough information but not too much. Well and the other question that we get every once in a while we get someone that wants to know why they get really and the people that want this are really adamant about that they want this. We will occasionally get the person that knows how to read braille and they actually want us to braille the letter on each mm -hmm. of letters. Mm -hmm. And first of all, that's a spatial problem because as anybody that reads Braille knows, okay, W takes up more space than you're going to run into not being able to accommodate. And it would be this huge, just really, Braille just takes up more space. And it's a great idea. It's just not something that we can logically do. You know, you talked earlier about not wanting to have your phone look special. Well, if you Braille literally... If you make a braille letter for each one of the letters on the 
keyboard, your phone's really going to look all kinds of special. It's the iPod. It's the iPad <laughs> Braille edition. It's a hundred oh. feet long and three hundred feet wide, which is, of course, a bit of an exaggeration. But the other problem with that is, if you needed to use the phone in landscape, for example, yeah, then you're <laughs> kind of up that proverbial creek, and <laughs> yeah, so yep. yeah, that and would be difficult. Well, exactly. And I've seen people too. They want. I saw something on a tech group the other day and somebody wanted they swore you can't touch type on a laptop they wanted every single letter to be labeled on their keyboard and we're like why don't you just label the f and the j i saw that when when i when i worked for the center for assistive technology in buffalo in the early in the early 90s they had a keyboard it was for demonstration purposes but they brailled every single letter the control key shift key alt key space every single key Whenever I sat down to that computer, I'd run and grab another keyboard because I couldn't type on it. Well, and I know that everybody learns differently, and we kind of have, I don't think, well, you have newly cited, yes, but I don't think even people that are coming up in the school system were taught the same way that we all might have been. I mean, I was taught how to, I got started typing on on an old IBM electric typewriter Mm -hmm. when I was, God, I think I was seven or eight, maybe nine. I was either third or fourth grade. And and so I know not everybody came up that way in life, but because I did, and probably for other people that came up that way too, having all of that labeled for me is just, it's like trying to listen to somebody play all of the notes of a scale all at once. It's just a cacophony of braille and noise. Like I just, no. <laughs> Give me much more simple. (laughs) I think when we're starting out and we're beginning or we're intimidated or fearful, we like our training wheels and we like our security blankets, Mm -hmm. even when we don't necessarily need them. And, I mean, you wouldn't want to, for example, remove all wheels from a bike because then you'd have an I'm kind of going nowhere thing. You know, so... Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> things like wheels are helpful. Things like yes. blankets are helpful. Yep. Things like dots are helpful. It's yeah. just when we get an overabundance. And I really feel like Speed Dots has found that sweet spot. Thank you, Amy, for joining us in the Mystic Access Magic Castle. We've talked all about Speed Dots, but there's something we haven't talked about. And that is, where do you get them? Okay, well, if you want to order, you can go to our website, which is www.speeddots.com. There's a nifty little purchase online link that's at the top of the page, and you go there and you can select your device and go from there. And we do have a contact us form right on our homepage if you have any questions, either me or Doug. It's usually a toss-up as to which one of us, but one of us will get back to you. We answer emails at pretty much, since we both work from home, we answer emails pretty regularly. So that's how you get them. You can also get them from AT Guys as well, because they are one of our resellers. So if you're on there buying, you know, another accessory keyboard or whatever, you can also get them that way. But our website is speeddots.com. Thank you so very much. Sure. Thank you for your visit to the Mystic Access Magic Castle. You're welcome anytime. We hope you've enjoyed this interview, and it was really fun. As Kim said, I was part of it, and I had a really good time, and it was just entertaining. 
It was. It was really interesting to hear some of the logic behind it. We did talk a little with Amy off recording, and one of the things that came up was, are you going to do a screen protector for Android or Fire Tablet or anything like that? And right now there has not been enough of a demand. Basically what she said is if they have 50 people who are willing to say, yes, we would buy this and to commit to that, that they will make such a product, but that there is a cost involved in producing the initial overlay. So that is something that would need to be taken into account. I did get my screen protector actually right after we recorded the interview with Amy and some things had changed in minor ways from the old Salona screen protector I had. One being that it was a thicker screen protector than I remembered in the past. And I didn't know this at the time, so I did have a friend put it on, but then I saw like, you know, the little corner of it kind of peeled back and I went, oh, that was thick enough. I probably could have done that on my own. So all my talk about, oh, you know, I wouldn't want to risk putting this on is, is kind of a moot point now, but I have found it helpful and interesting. At first, I was very much kind of went back to that dot dependent mode. I was looking for dots to correspond to all my apps and they didn't always, but very quickly I dropped that and kind of went back to my normal navigation mode. And I would notice that maybe there wasn't a dot for what I was looking for, but there was a dot next to it. The other thing, and I used this a lot when I had the Salona screen protector, was there's a dot in the upper left-hand corner, which is, in many cases, your back button or the top left app on your screen. And I really do like having that functionality. If I could only mark one thing on my phone, that would probably be it because it makes it very easy and very quick to just zero in on that. And it's a good orientation kind of starting place marker. But we do want to thank Amy and Doug of Speed Dots for the service they provide and all the information that Amy shared with us in the interview. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this podcast. And we promise the next podcast, we're going to torture Lisa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or is that two Yay. podcasts from now? No. It's the oh. next podcast. Oh, because we were alternating these castle segments. Yes, and so this I was going to be yours. Yes, it was. So I thought I had one more to not sweat it out, but I guess that's not the case. No, it's not the case. Okay. So join us for Lisa's interrogation. And thank you, everybody. Bye. 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 The preceding podcast is a presentation of Mystic Access where the magic is in learning. To contact us, please visit www.mysticaccess.com. Call us, 716-543-3323, and press 2 to reach our Mystic Access podcast comment line. Email us at show at mysticaccesspodcast.com, and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash mysticaccess. Would you like to spread the word about our podcasts? please tell your friends and colleagues to visit us at www.mysticaccesspodcast.com. If you enjoy what you hear on our podcasts, feel free to leave us an iTunes rating and review. We certainly appreciate those. 
Also, you may feel free to use our podcasts in your own RSS feed. Just be sure that all of our contact information is left intact. Thanks for spreading the word, and thanks for listening. We hope that you have enjoyed this episode.